Welcome to We Fish ASA, the best darn fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. I'm Steve Surly. My partner is Dave Kranz. This is We Fish ASA, episode number 312. That has some special significance. We'll talk about that in a little while. As always, we're pleased to offer you a conversation with the most interesting, the most informative, the most entertaining, as well as some of the biggest names in the world of fishing. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association, in particular St. Croix, the best rods on earth, Calcutta, makers of a lot of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion, and Daiwa. We've got your bass covered. Yes, they do. Daiwa Reels. We've got a new episode of our podcast each and every week. You can get it anywhere you get a podcast from. We are all over the place. Don't forget our website, We fishasa.com and don't forget every show of our 312 episode history is available at our website so catch up if you're a new listener catch up now we fish asa is produced by our executive producer mr brad nearman from lando lakes florida calls his operation berserk productions thank you very much brad on today's show we welcome a guy who is a rookie in Major League Fishing, just won his first tournament. Big time fisherman this guy is. And even cooler than that, at 34 years old, he has already spent 10 years in the military. He's a captain in the Army, retired from that, full-time fishing. But uh, interesting story and, and a great guy and a truly great gentleman, Ryan Salzman. We're going to be with Dan Johnston from St. Croix. And then uh, Dave's going to have uh, a guest that's a little bit out of the box, different during the uh, Calcutta segment. He's going to be talking to me. Why? I don't know. Uh, but I'm happy to be there with Dave. Always is interesting when Dave and I get together, so stay tuned for that. But first, let's flip it over to Dave. He's going to bring on Dan Johnson. Hey, David, take it away. As Steve said, I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast, and this segment is always brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Welcome back, Dan Johnston. Hey, Dave. Thanks for having me. Oh, no problem. This is episode 312, Dan. This is the the last episode of season six for the podcast. Continuously uh, put up every Wednesday for 52 weeks a year for six years. Yeah, you know, you said that before we got on air here, and I just want to say thank you for all the listeners. Um, you know, this has not only been fun, but... If the listeners knew how much I've learned off of doing this and talking to you and hearing other guests and getting feedback, somebody will come up to me at a show and they'll say, hey, I heard your episode and, you know, why don't you try this and, and things like that. I just want to thank all the listeners out there for making this what it is and, and give, them, give them our promise that we'll try to even make it better. I mean, it's been a it's been a true blessing and a joy to do it. And I'm really privileged to be on as much as I am. Yeah, it's been fun for both of us, and, and we have talked about this many times off the air, uh, about how much we learn by bouncing things off from each other, and and it the questions, like you said, that come from the listeners, uh, whether it's in my retail store, or if I'm out at a show, or guiding on a lake, or or uh, something like that, uh, it's it just, um, it's great. It's, it, it's, I feel like we've helped people, but like you said, we've helped ourselves too. Oh, there's no question. I think in, information is power and, and power is in numbers, you know, so we, we get a lot of feedback and we get to listen to the guests that you have on this are just, it's amazing. I, I sit there at night and listen to some of these and I pinch myself and I'm on right before a Brian Thrift or so. It's like, it's unbelievable. And the, the amount of information I've learned off of this just by listening to people has is, is just been, like I said, invaluable. Yeah, and and to be up for six years, three hundred and twelve episodes. Uh, we started this, uh, came up with the concept uh, almost two years before that uh, uh, to do this. And and at that time, almost eight years ago, eight, it'll be eight years July third. There weren't many podcasts out there. It was that new, and now they're all over the place in every industry. Uh, so many people do them, but um, definitely. Uh, I think ours has been made better by having St. Croix as a sponsor and having you as a guest as often as we do. Uh, you miss very few because of, uh, you know, things that you're doing. Last week you were doing a fun thing. You missed and we had Mark Hansen on, but you were fishing with your family. Let's talk about that a little bit. 
Dave, it's an annual trip to northern Minnesota, and uh, this year was interesting. It's a bass fishing trip, bass and crappie mostly, but for me anyway, some of our guys do walleye. But um, it was interesting this year because the lakes were way, way, way behind. I mean, the vegetation wasn't up. We had pad growth, but it was only halfway to the surface unless you got in a real back north exposed cove where they were all the way up and so forth. And it was interesting. I was talking to you a little bit before we went on air. I, I struggled to get anything going for the first half of the first day because there was just not the visible targets you throw to in clear water in pre-spawn to situations what we normally have up there. So what happened and what we figured out and it really worked and we've done podcasts on this before and that's what's going to be so cool is the kind of the element of being patient and sometimes even setting the rods down because what we did is I caught a great big one on a bluegill bed that I could actually see. And I could see the bluegills in there and I threw a swim bait on there and caught like a five pounder. And I thought, okay, so found another one and caught another great big one, like same size class. So I thinking, okay, that's not a fluke. And it's good, solid pattern. Bluegill beds are gold. We've talked about it before. Yeah. So we literally put the rods down and we idled that lake almost to the point where my brother was going to throw me out of my boat because we didn't <laughs> fish for at least an hour and a half. And I marked over 20 bluegill beds, all with side imaging because vegetation was down. They, they show up and I just waypointed all of them. And we went back and we absolutely hammered the big bass. I mean, I would argue some of the biggest bass in the lake were on those bluegill beds, which they are often, but it was the fact instead of just running around and fishing and trying to find them, we found them first. And then when we went back, it was incredible because everyone we went to sometimes in multiples, you know, you'd catch two or three, but the fact there was no wind and the water was so clear and the lakes are so far behind where there's very little cover they were looking for the right bottom substrate, but also we had to stay way, way off them and throw long casts, even to the point where we had to downsize our braid to get to them. And once we put that puzzle together, it was some of the best fishing I've had up there. Yeah, now that you've, uh, you've marked all those bluegill beds, year after year, a lot of times they're the same. So next year or year after or five years from now, you can go back there. And if you got a little top on the water where you can't see them, you're going to know where they're at. Yeah, and you're right. A lot of times they do bed up in the same areas, and a lot of people think, well, that's just history because bluegills do what they do, like salmon going back to the same spots. And I think there's an element of truth to that, but I also believe they're they're uh, very disciplined on bottom content. And there's a certain type of grass up there and weed. It, it almost looks like a deer tongue. Mm-hmm. Um, in some case, it's a little tiny pad immature pad stem that grows at pencil reeds is a classic example next to pencil reeds probably the best example i could give you where the bottom content is such where you can see where you should start looking first visually and then when you get in there and side image it you can actually see the bluegill bed so yes they're historically in the relative proximity but they can change if wind comes up or the lake erodes or whatever again it goes back and dave we've we've covered this a lot in the last six years that bottom content bottom substrate is so important and and once we figure that out understand what types of fish like what then we just go find it and boy, I'm telling you, those big bass get around. Anybody bass fishing right now in Minnesota, if they're not around bluegill beds, they're making a mistake. Because we were just there last week, and it was—I mean, I had to put—I had to put an antibiotic on my thumb from catching so many big bass. My thumb was all raw, and it started to hurt. I had to put athletic tape around it. <laughs> yeah, and that's a good problem to have when you got bad bass thumb like that, and and palm and everything else when they're a big fish like that. Uh, you said uh, swim bait. Was there any other? Type techniques that work there well it's interesting there's a couple different swim baits we throw some of which are pretty big and bulky so we can throw a long ways the problem with those is i couldn't get them going fast enough so mm. specifically i'll just give you the bait we were throwing a reaction innovation skinny dipper throwing it on a vmc keel weighted hook and the reason why i picked that bait is it could go through the water column quickly like a swim jig and they were biting it better than a swim jig that i don't know why but they were but you could get the retrieve speed up so fast with that thing and it would hold its track line because of that keel weight that you could catch them. And I tell you, it caught them really, really good. So I, I think it was a, it wasn't just an everyday swim bait. It had to, you know, we had to mess around until we really got it dialed, but something had to throw a long ways, but you had to be able to reel it fast and have it hold its line. If you slow rolled that thing, they would not bite it. And that was really interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah. 
that th- that they wouldn't take it uh, slowing it down. And I, I guess you were just causing that reaction bite that uh, uh, that they key into when they're chasing bluegills around. I I've seen uh, bass swimming around bluegill beds, and and now that you say that, I I seem to remember that they you can have bluegills that just sit there and don't leave, and the bass swims right by them. But the one that tries to get away is the one they go and eat. Well, and here's here's the important point that a lot of people don't realize. If you get on top of a bluegill bed, the ones that are in the bed are sitting there and moving around in a little one-foot circle, faster, slower, whatever. But if one gets off of the bed and they get out of the, the colony that I call it, they yep. are moving. You won't see one leave that bed to chase something off or whatever and just sit out there over three foot of water and do nothing, suspended off. They won't. In other words, anything that leaves that bed is getting back in a hurry. So if you take that swim jig or swim bait and you burn it, I think, I don't know for sure, but as hard as these fish were hitting it, I think they think it's something that's kind of lost its way out of the colony and is fleeing and, and they bite it. Where if you retrieve it real slow out there, they're probably thinking the bluegills aren't going to do that unless they're sitting in that bed because they bed up in big numbers. Some, sometimes there's 30 of them in there. But if one gets out of that little satellite, he's moving really fast to either get back there or to get out to chase something or whatever. So I think that's what it, I've kind of believed that for a long time and it sure worked this time. Yeah, yeah, obviously, and you had a good time, and uh, your family had a good time catching those those fish, and uh, uh, that that's pretty pretty amazing that uh, you know you t- took the time to do it first of all because I'm sure you wanted to just go fishing, but uh, you're you're giving the listeners a really good tip to do a little research first, um, study it, figure it out, and then go back and and re apply the the right method to figure that out and i think that's probably the biggest tip you can give easier said than done it was killing me because i could go <laughs> along the bank and catch them on a buzz bait but they were two two and a half pounders and those great big ones were rock solid on this pattern and we figured if we just did our homework first we could go back and really do well especially fishing with a couple of brothers that aren't they're, they're not as whacked out as I am. They're not going to go out and go sun up to sun down and grind it out no matter what. So when you get to catching big ones with regularity, it increases their fun level times 10. And then everybody in the camp wants to go. So we ended up doing that on every lake we went to and just doing our homework. And uh, it, it really paid off. But I would say this, you can apply it anywhere and not just northern Minnesota. I mean, anywhere you have bluegills spawning, when they're in that pattern, especially when your vegetation's down, you can really show it on site imaging. It was the perfect storm. Excellent, excellent information as always. And I want to thank you again for the uh, the last 312 episodes. I don't think you missed more than a dozen. So I think you've done at least 300 of them. And uh, thanks, St. Croix, for being a sponsor, being uh, one of the first sponsors to come on board. And uh, definitely look forward to doing the next six years with you. Well, I just look forward to learning and talking to all our awesome listeners we have out there. It's, it's as much fun as it, it is for me as it is for them, I promise you. Excellent. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Dave. That was Dan Johnston. I am Dave Cran. Steve Siley is remote. And this segment of the We Fish ASA podcast was brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. We will be right back. Probably one of the number one questions I get, you know, what line do I use? That's a big debate. For every tour out there, everybody's debating which line. I choose the simple side. My choice of line is sunline. My favorite lines to use is sunline. How all can you use it? Anywhere you want to. Anywhere there's water and bass, it's good. Walleye, catfish, trout, speckled trout, sharks. There we go. I don't say this unless I think it's true, but honestly, it's the best in the market. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. Rule your water. Rule it with a St. Croix rod. Whether you take to the lake, wade the rivers, or cast from shore, St. Croix provides responsive performance, ensuring your success below every surface. With a St. Croix rod in hand, you're a part of a celebrated tradition that has spanned 70 years. 
touch, power, and control are right at your fingertips and extend to you the finest fishing experience on the planet. St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Kranz, and Steve Sarley is not remote. He's going to be the guest on this segment that is brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. And he's not the guest. He's actually uh, the co-host. We both host this, and we're both very happy about this episode. 312, that's 52 weeks of continuously programming that comes up every week and i'm looking forward to the next six years how about you i am definitely looking forward to it and, and, and proud that we have made it this far uh with as consistently as we have done this and uh you know i know podcasts are getting more and more popular all the time but there's still you know hundreds of thousands of podcast episodes out there for people to choose from and 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 that's I think that says a lot for what we do, and the fact that we entered into this the right way. Because there's an awful lot of podcasts where somebody say, "Hey, I want to do this podcast." They do three or four episodes, then all of a sudden they don't do one for a month or two, and then they do one, then they don't do one. And and they we talked about this before we started. Is that if we do this, we're going to do this once a week consistent it's going to drop and publish live every wednesday we've never been a day late we we've been every wednesday with a new episode and and kept it up and i, and I just think it, that's why we have the longevity is that we've done it the right way and been consistent I, I, uh, let me I'll pat, I'll pat your back you can pat mine there we go <laughs> there you go well you know many of the listeners we have today we didn't have on that first year so uh, we actually uh, the concept I came up with this uh, July 3rd will be eight years ago and eight years ago there weren't a whole lot of podcasts as a matter of fact I remember you walking on the grass to uh, our fourth of July event that we would do and and I said hey how'd you like to get back on the radio and I said it's not really radio it's a podcast and the response was what's a podcast there weren't that many of them and I said I'm not really sure it's a platform that people listen to like 24 7 uh, on-demand radio on their listen on their devices, their phones, their computers, and and we did research and we figured out what we had to do to make this happen. But uh, I think 312 is a pretty good number when you look at other ones that are out there that are uh, maybe done more fre- frequently. But for once a week for six years is pretty consistent. I I agree a hundred percent. But I I don't, don't want to criticize anybody. Everybody does it their way. But but I see. Guys, I know that they put out podcasts and, and they're putting out three for a week and then none for a month. And I don't know how I would even follow that. I have a hard enough time to wait. You know, I, I'm an old time guy. I'm used to watching, uh, you know, CBS, ABC, NBC. You know, you had your choice <laughs> of three channels, and, and you watch you watch one of the three, and they were on. They started in the fall. They went to the spring. Now everything is is, is streaming or or, or cable. And these shows start and stop, and I'll like a show that all of a sudden it's off the air. And I find out six months from now it's back on the air. I didn't even know it came back on. I, have a, I much would rather deal with something that's there every week. I get comfortable. I get used to it. I know where to find it. And, and I'll admit it, as, as old-fashioned as I am, this podcast thing works. People listen to them like crazy. It, they do, and I love hearing the responses from uh, customers or if I'm out fishing a tournament or something that they listen to the podcast. I know you get that also, but the um, I think one of the big things is if you look back at the name of superstars that we've had on this, uh, anybody who's anybody in the sport fishing industry uh, has been on. I mean, I, I, I think of some of the, you know, uh, Wu Daves and, and Hank Parker, Parker and uh, boy, Bob Cobb, that I uh, so enjoyed doing that. I mean, that, are some of those your favorites also? Oh, without without a doubt. I, I love those legends and I'm, I'm, I'm missing the name. Uh, the guy that won the first classic um, uh, that we had on that, that was a hoot having him on. I was like, Oh goodness, you know, and and it it doesn't take much to come up with names of people, and it's getting harder now after six years because I mean, who haven't we had on? If I if I seriously if I have one regret of somebody we did not have on, 
It would be Ray Scott. And I was I was thinking that when you said that, Ray Scott uh, would have been great to have on, and uh, uh, we didn't get that opportunity. But, uh, you know, it, it, just the legends of the industry and the, the new guys that are coming into industry that, that fish professionally right out of uh, college or right out of high school. These guys are so good, and, and they're not only good at the fishing, they're good at marketing themselves and their sponsors. I've, I've always been impressed with that. Some of them are absolutely excellent. Uh, uh, they, they treat this as a business. Uh, uh, it, it's not like all of a sudden they're winning tournaments and say, oh, i got to figure this out. They've got a part of their business plan when they started signing up for tournaments. If I win, this is what I have to do to build my brand. They've got it figured out, and, and, they're, and they're doing that really well. And the other thing as far as building brands and marketing and that, so many of these guys rely on their wives, and their wives have turned into such great business partners for them. I really enjoy seeing it, and I love seeing the guys give credit to their wives for putting them in the position that they're in. And they do, and their whole families come up on stage with them when they win tournaments. And I, 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 those are the ones that the wives are there, and they're, they're, they're handling all the business for them. And, and we call for guests, and most of the time we talk to the wives. I mean, because these guys are out uh, on events, and they, they set the schedule for them and say, yeah, they can do it this day or that day. And um, definitely um, thankful. Uh, this is the Calcutta segment, and Cal they came on board first. They were the first ones. St. Croix was second. We have great sponsors, and and uh, but Calcutta has been there from day one, and I didn't have much to show them when I talked to them the first time, and I told them about the concept, yet they took a leap of faith, and they said, okay, if you guys are going to do this, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll give it a try. And, and uh, this segment, we normally have something advocacy of the industry on where we have uh, a veterans group or something that's new or somebody that's caught... A, a big fish that isn't a tournament guy, but this segment is great for being able to put almost anything we want on there that helps our industry. And, and thank you, Calcutta, for that. That helps the sport, and, and it's and it's a beautiful thing that they have endorsed that idea and and gone with it. And, and taking it, it's not only the Calcutta segment, although we give title to the Calcutta segment and try to keep it in that vein of being beneficial for the sport. Doesn't it absolutely blow your mind talking to all these guys that are winning $100,000 tournaments here and there, and you talk to them, and they want to talk about some tournament they sponsor at home for kids, or they're on the way to some event uh, and on the water for veterans. All of these professional fishermen give back to the sport. I mean, they, they've got such a busy schedule and so many demands on their time. But I swear every one of them has a, a pet charity that they're taking care of. And, uh, uh, you know, you, you got to give them credit for that. I don't know if, if baseball players are that way. I'm sure a lot of them are. But I swear every one of these great fishermen are really, really are great people as far as giving back. They are, and I think it's because they're so thankful to have been able to make a living at what their passion is, and that's the outdoors, fishing and hunting. We, we've talked about this, that so many of the guys, when they get done fishing, the season's over. I mean, we have a hard time certain times of the year, deer season, turkey season, to get a guy to do a segment because he's hunting and he's in the woods. We, I, I know you... A couple times we've had guys that we had, well, I'll be out at noon. If I get a turkey, I'll be out earlier. But, I mean, it's hard to schedule them, isn't it? Yes, yes, it is. And, and, and you, you, certainly can't, uh, you certainly can't blame them. And uh, uh, they, they've got family obligations. A lot of these guys have, have young children. I remember, remember the first time we, uh, uh, we talked to Brian Thrift, you know, one of our, one of our favorite guys. And, and Brian said, yeah, I'd be happy to do the interview. Would you mind if I played catch with my son while I talk to you guys? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We, we mind. Oh, are you <laughs> kidding? That's so wonderful. I, I had a tear in my eye thinking that I'm talking to a guy, and he's, he's playing catch with his kid. Oh, what, what, a, what a wonderful thing. Uh, uh, you know, I, I, was, I was booking uh, Brandon Lester for this week. He won a tournament. He says, can, can we postpone a week? I'd really love to do this, and I know it's timely, but I promised my kids I'd take them down to the beach for the week. Is that okay with you? Is that okay with me? It has nothing to do with me. You take care of your family. You do what you need to do. I hope you have a great time and your phone doesn't ring the whole week while you're there. Yeah, that, that's awesome. I think the uh, the other thing that we both liked is when we're uh, interviewing a guest and maybe he's pre-fishing for the next tournament or or and he's fishing. And, and they're, they're like, hang on, I'm fighting a fish. I mean, I, that's awesome too. 
Oh, with, with, without a doubt. Uh, I, I can't even remember who it, who it was. And I was talking to him. And afterwards, I, after we finished, he said, I'm sorry if I shut up for a while there. I was busy playing a fish. I go, yeah, I'm mad. You should have said, whoa, I got a fish. Hold on for a second. Tell, tell me what you're doing. That is so exciting that you're catching a fish live, you know? It is. Uh, I, I, th- I, think that's, I think that is great. And uh, uh, let your excitement come across because, you, you know, those guys get excited. You know, you're catching fish every day of your life. It, it's your job. You catch fish, catch fish. I swear to God, they all still get excited when they catch a fish. They do. They do. And it's it, been fun. And uh, I am definitely looking forward to uh, uh, the next year of pro- programming, the year after that, the year after that. And and, and uh, I enjoy it. We have fun. And uh, thanks for thanks for uh, saying yes when, when we decided to do this. Thanks for thanks for thinking of it while you were uh, riding on your lawnmower. I, I uh, do a lot of good thinking on that lawnmower. Put an idea on the lawnmower. So, uh, hey, all, all you guys out there. Uh, don't try to avoid that those lawnmower chores. Some of the best <laughs> things in life can happen while you're mowing the lawn. They can, and that's a great way to end this segment, Steve. Thank you. Uh, look forward to uh, uh, next week, as always. And uh, this segment was brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. The We Fish ASA podcast will be right back. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. Calcutta. We're an outdoor coastal trading company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. Born in the back of a Florida bait and tackle shop, Calcutta was created with a rebellious spirit and a goal to offer hardworking outdoor products at a reasonable price. Calcutta builds the products that fit your lifestyle. We're on a mission to help you reclaim your free time and to declare mutiny on the mundane. Depend on Calcutta gear and apparel. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting reel. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Petula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I'm Steve Sarley. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. The proud members of the American Sport Fishing Association are very proud to bring you our next guest. Well, we talk about the young guys just coming up and taking over this sport, and it just seems like every week we're talking about somebody new, and and this week is no different. This is a guy who won his first Major League Fishing Bass Pro Tour event, that $100,000 plus. Uh, He's a good guy. He's got a great story. We're very proud to have him out. Please welcome, from the state of Alabama, Ryan Salzman. Hey, Ryan, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. How are you? I'm doing just fine. Now, I want to do this correctly because you do carry the title for life. You are Captain Ryan Salzman, correct? I am. I'm a captain as a fishing guide, and I was a captain in the military. Hey, hey, good, good, uh, good catch there to point out. That's not very, very often, but uh, a captain in the military, uh, of course, thank you for your service. It is so much appreciated. But tell us about that. You, you don't look like you're old enough to have been in the service long enough to be a captain. Uh, uh, give us a run through of your military career, would you? Yeah. I was low in college. You know, I was 
looking for a way to pay for school and my parents were also prior service military they retired and i'm very familiar with the military so we started the fishing team at my college and i kind of ran out of money to pay for school and I said, you know what, I'm going to join the military, get my school paid for. And I was coming up with a plan to fish professionally because I have always wanted to fish professionally since I was 11 years old. Uh-huh. And I, I had never really forgotten that. And every chance I got, I fished. And, you know, I always knew I wanted to do it. And I, I knew it was a long-term, you know, thing. It wasn't just an overnight thing. So you're going to have to do a lot of things you may not want to do to get to where you want to be. So I joined the military and was got my school paid for. Uh, I was... I don't know, 21 at the time, 20, maybe 20. I joined in 2008. So now I'm 34. And let's see, I got my commission in 2011 from the University of North Alabama. Um, I got commissioned as a military intelligence officer. Went to my training out in Fort Huachuca, Arizona. I really enjoyed that. That was a lot of fun. Uh, met a lot of great people. And then came home. I started guiding for about six months and immediately got pulled for deployment. Went over to Kuwait, Iraq, Afghanistan. And we did. I was with a logistics unit over there. And I was doing intel for the kind of routes in and out of theater and kind of geopolitical things. But came back, had a lot of great experience from that. And I could have took a job working Intel, making a hundred to two hundred thousand dollars immediately after that deployment with my field, but that wouldn't make me happy. Um, I decided to become a fishing guide full time and stay in the National Guard and do my once a month drills, and then two weeks to a month a year when we do our annual training. So yeah, hit the ground running, fishing BFLs, um, guiding every chance I get. I got, I branded my, while I was deployed, I branded my guide service as Alabama Bass Guide. And I, I researched a ton in the search engine optimization, SEO for short, for anyone listening. It's a big deal in marketing and it's how you get found on Google pretty much. So I, I landed on Alabama Bass Guide and I've been running ever since guiding and just working my way up the tournament trail. Excellent, excellent. Sounds like you had a, had a plan and, uh, you're you're a smart fellow. You're ambitious. Uh, I I don't know if I can uh, vouch for your sanity when you tell me I could have made two hundred thousand dollars, but I wouldn't have been happy because uh, there's a lot of guys. Uh, obviously, can't imagine being in that situation. But but I appreciate what you said, and I, I believe you have the drive it takes to to make it all pay off and and have this thing become successful. Uh, you're doing things the right way. You're doing them the smart way. Uh, do, do you feel everything's firing on all cylinders for you right now? I'm well, sorry. I'm, I'm having a little trouble hearing. Not, uh, not a problem. It's kind of like an echo. Actually, I don't is, know what it is. Is, is everything is ever is everything firing on all cylinders for Ryan Salzman right now? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, yep, we're in the heat of the season and. Uh, Everything's going great. Excellent. I got it. What's what? What's your personal situation? What, what does that mean? We got a, we, uh, a girlfriend, fiance, wife. No, no, single as can be. I got two dogs, and uh, we live in our best life. Unbelievable. Winning tournaments. Uh, a veteran. And uh, a good-looking young man, uh, ladies. If you're listening to that, uh, you're more than welcome to go out to the next weigh-in and get a meet and greet with uh, Ryan Salzman. It'd be a good thing for you to do. Hey, look at that. I can be your agent, Ryan. Yeah, you know, uh, you can uh, step in and maybe uh, line a few dates up for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure you really need my help. I'm sure, I'm <laughs> sure you really need my help. Maybe you look and say, what's that old white-haired guy doing hanging around with that good-looking young Army captain? Hey, I, 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 I knew it, looking at your bio, that, that you had to come from an Army lineage because... Uh, you got turned on to bass fishing at Fort Bragg. Is that the Fort Bragg, the legendary Fort Bragg in North Carolina, that little Fort Bragg in, in California? It is the legendary one in Vietnam, North Carolina. My goodness. that I, I have toured that base. That is one of the most incredible things. And if you're not pro-military, you just walk through there and see what's going on. That is, uh, that is our nation at its best. Uh, you don't get to see the uh, uh, the Delta Force 
area, but it, it's there, and that just gives you chills, knowing that, that there is an actual Delta Force. It's not just in the movies, and it's there, and you see those guys, and, man, your jaw drops, you go, oh, those are the baddest people on the planet. Yeah, they are. They're willing to do things that no one else is willing to do, and lay their life on the line way more than anyone else is willing to do. So, that, 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 thanks to those guys. That is amazing. The, the 82nd Airborne Museum is there, which is just totally inspirational. I did not know there were lakes on the property. That's Tell us about uh, your experience with the Fort Bragg Lakes. So, they're not, well, there are lakes, but I found the best success at the smaller ponds. And um, that's when I would finish. I was younger. You know, I left there when I was like, 12 or 13, my parents got restationed. And, yeah, I just would, you know, throw night crawlers and bobbers, and I would just try and catch anything I, I could catch. And my most memorable fish that really got me addicted to bass fishing was I was at a playground, I remember, on base, but there was a big pond, so I brought my fishing pole, and we dug up some night crawlers. I probably put three night crawlers on this hook with, like, a four-foot leader on a bobber, and I thought I was catfishing. And I'm reeling it in, and the, and the worms are kind of spiraling, coming in. Yeah. And this eight, nine-pound bass just annihilates it at the bank. And uh, I'm fighting this thing for like five, ten minutes. It was just forever. And I had a big crowd on the bank. <laughs> it was kind of crazy. And um, I get it up to the bank, and he breaks me off. But, I mean, it, I, I can still see it like it was yesterday. Giant fish, bug eyes, you know. One yeah, of the yeah. Carolina bass. Oh, so that 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 ended up getting you hooked, and you progressed on through the ranks of FLW fishing a number of the circuits. Uh, did you always fish as a boater, or were you ever a co-angler? Yeah, so I started out with what I think is like the appropriate progression to be successful. Um, I started out as a co-angler. You know, when you're just getting into it. You don't know what you don't know, and you got to learn. You got to get mentors, and you got to learn from people. So I started as a co angler in the Bass Fishing League, the BFLs. And then I also marshaled with the Bassmaster Elite Series back then. So those are the only people that were offering it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so a marshal is where you basically pay 100 bucks and you ride with a pro for two days at least. And so a lot of sometimes three. Right, you know, right. Depending on if you make it, you know, to the next day. And you could even be the marshal on the final day. So, I mean, that is by far the best way to gain knowledge and learn is by riding with people, you know, who are better than you. I always say, if you want to be a millionaire, hang out with millionaires. If you want to be a pro fisherman, hang out with pro fishermen. So I always tried to surround myself with pro fishermen whenever I could to learn from them. And <laughs> once I got success with the co-angling um, and I started college fishing and I kind of was getting my feet wet, you know, running the boat, um, I really didn't enter my first BFL as a boater until after my first deployment. And, I, you know, I was already guiding a little bit then. And then I had the first BFL I fished, I got third in. So I, I think there's a way to do things to prevent, the, the, to minimize the amount of failure you're going to have. Like failure is relative, right? Yeah. Failure is in like bombing. Um, you know, you just don't know what you're doing. So um, I was always really consistent after going that route. And I know a lot of other guys took that path, Justin Lucas, you know, yeah, it's one of the main ones that come to the top of my head. He co-angled, worked his way up, even co-angled on the FLW tour, and then became a boater. Excellent. And, and uh, boy, I, I would not think there's anything the matter with modeling your career after a Justin Lucas. You know, anybody would, would think the same. Uh, it's absolutely incredible. Uh, when did you get the invitation to fish the Bass Pro Tour of Major League Fishing, and how long did it take you to make the decision to go for it? Well, the decision was immediate. I mean, I, I mean, I knew. So it's not like you get an invitation. You know what I'm saying? Right, so right. When I first started it, they invited guys just to start the normal original crew of guys. Um, how it works now is you have to qualify to fish the pro circuit one. So to qualify to fish the pro circuit, you have to finish in the top five in points in the Toyota series. Yeah. So, so I came from the BFLs. I, I fished the Toyotas. I got qualified to fish the pro circuit in 2019. And then... Starting in 2019, I fished that for – It was in 2019, it was still FLW. And right. In 2020, they bought it. Uh, I meant Major League Fishing bought FLW. It became Major League Fishing. And there was a three-year period where no, you couldn't qualify for the Bass Pro Tour. And then going into that third year um, where, where people – they would now let people into the Bass Pro Tour 
for qualification, you had to finish in the top 10 in points for the pro circuit. And last year, I finished third in the Angler of the Year points, which qualified me into the Bass Pro Tour. Excellent, excellent. And uh, uh, you are you are you are technically a, a rookie on the Bass Pro Tour, right? Yes, correct. First year on the Bass Pro Tour, a rookie. And I am imagining you are in first place towards the Rookie of the Year. So they're not doing a Rookie of the Year um, this year, and ironically, <laughs> I don't think I would be. I'm telling you, these guys are phenomenal anglers. Um, Dakota Ebear, this is his second. He got second at Fork, and he just got third here. So, I mean. Hey, where the heck did this guy come out of? I saw I saw that in the standings, and I go, this might be somebody else figure, fishing under an assumed name or something. Yeah, Dakota Ebear, he's out of Texas. Phenomenal angler. And, um, dude, they're all really good. I mean, they're, they're all they, right. they are. It's it's unbelievable. And, you know, I didn't know they weren't doing Rookie of the Year because I'm looking all over for it. I can't find any information because I said, man, you know, this is one. At the end of the year, you get your list of your top five for Rookie of the Year for 2022 and, and save that because 10 years from now, you'd be looking at that and go, man, here's, here's a bunch of superstars. Cannot believe they were all rookies at the same time. You know, yeah, a, this is a good class, man. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. This is a good question. Hey, we're going to take a real quick break. we got a couple sponsors that would like to sneak a word in. Uh, when we come back with Ryan Salzman, we'd like to talk to him about his sponsors, how that's going. I, I'm sure that his list is, is growing as we speak with this huge Watts Bar victory on the Major League Fishing Bass Pro Tour that he just accomplished. This is We Fish ASA. I'm Steve Sarley with Ryan Salzman. We will be right back after this. You know, when I look at the tournaments I've won, probably four or five of the boats that I've won have been on a tube. But I had completely gotten away from flipping a tube because nobody, nobody made one soft enough. Big Bite has come with this new tour series of bait. The thing that's probably the most unique is when you look at that bait, the salt just rolls out of it. And to me, that is the reason a fish bites a tube and hangs on to it. This isn't one of those, let's go out and catch some smallmouth tube. This is a let's get it done tube. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting reel. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Petula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. The St. Croix story has evolved over 70 years. With gritty determination, St. Croix built the most advanced fishing rod facility in the world. And with it, a world-class brand that has earned the respect and admiration of anglers around the planet. We will continue to challenge ourselves, our employees, and our partners to be the best every day. We're proud to celebrate 70 years of passion and commitment to making the best rods on earth. St. Croix. Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I'm Steve Sarley. I am here with Ryan Salzman from Major League Fishing. Just pulled off a huge win at Watts Bar Lake. You know, people will look at this and don't know where Watts Bar Lake is, even though we've talked about this a couple of times lately because uh, we had a pro on recently whose home lake is Watts Bar. That's where, where I knew it from. Um, Watts Bar Lake is part of the Tennessee River system. It, am I correct? Yes, sir, it is. All right. Now, now, people say that, number one, they'll say, uh, okay, well, you look at you look at Ryan Salzman's bio page, and and he's a he's a Tennessee guy. Uh, he's a uh, he's an Alabama guy, and that Tennessee River system extends all the way down from Tennessee into Alabama. But there is the water similar as you travel the hundreds of miles that this covers. Yeah, so the Tennessee River will always have some characteristics of the Tennessee River. Now, each lake kind of has a different personality. You know, Pickwick has a, a really phenomenal tail race, and that kind of opens up to a, a span of ledges. And then you go to Wheeler, 
It's more, it fishes a little bit more like a reservoir, but now kind of has grass in it on the flats. Starting to fish a little bit more like Gunnersville. You come up to Gunnersville, it's a huge, expansive grass flat lake that turns into a, a narrow river and runs all the way up to Chickamauga. And then Chickamauga is starts to get into that weird, you know, start Tennessee style, more fishing, a lot more pea gravel, bluff walls, river bars, things like that. And then also has the river section. So what the main thing that these have in common is the river section. And then the other personalities kind of come in. The lower ends of the lakes are all pretty similar. They have deep water, you know, bluff walls and things like that. So, and then you go up to Nickajack and Watts Bar. Watts Bar is the Tennessee River, but probably one of the most more different ones that I've been on. It kind of reminded me of an Ozark Lake because of how much pea gravel there was. And the fish were, prim were primarily relating to brush that people had put out. Huh. Okay. Um, the only... The only thing different is it was very TVA-esque. It had current because it was it's controlled by the Tennessee Valley Authority, the TVA, and they regulate the current every day depending on power usage and needs. Um, so that generates power at the through the dams, and there's current sucking below the dam, and then right at the end of the lake, I call it the high side of the dam, and that is where I was fishing. And anytime you have those current generating areas, fish tend to congregate. So I found that area in practice, and it was loaded with fish, and I just kind of made it my mission to figure out how to catch those fish every day. Although, you know, you, you tell us you're a Tennessee River guy, and Watts Bar is part of the Tennessee River system. Sounds to me like you have not spent a lot of time on Watts Bar in your career. No, it was that, that was my first time ever on Watts Bar. First? I've been on Chickamauga right below it. Yeah. Well, my, my goodness, uh, it, it's so funny talking about Tennessee River system and you're naming lakes. And I think part of that system, you, you may have named four of the top 12 lakes in the country. That's just incredible that that is that way. Which of the, what body of water are you closest to? What would you consider your home body of water? My home body would be Gunnersville. Unbelievable. And, uh, not, not a surprise because it seems like everybody in the world wants to move down to Gunnersville. You're getting a lot of guys that are uh, uh, on Gunnersville on a full-time on a full-time full basis, uh, which makes it got to be difficult for you running a very successful guide service on a lake that is so popular, is so heavily fished, and, and is under the microscope 365 days a year. Is that is that tough? Um, not really. Um, just because I love fishing it, I understand the lake, and um, the lake is so good that it just keeps pumping out fish. So um, I don't think it's tough. I think it's uh, it just feels normal to me. Excellent. That's good. I like I like I like the attitude. I like the attitude quite a bit. Uh, you you won the Watts Bar. We talked about it a little bit. Watts Bar's over. Uh, we'll move on as as you are as you are moving on. I'm sure you're looking forward to the rest of the rest of the season as it as it transpires. But I want to talk to you about the, uh, the guide business that you establish, and you're still working, and you still sound like you really truly enjoy being out with people and guiding. Uh, and I think that some of that comes from the fact that we talked about. Uh, uh, how important do you think that being a co-angler is and, and being out there and, and talking about being with professional fishermen? Uh, I, I think that's important, yep, and yep. I think that's what you're, you're trying to show people. I'm a big fan of, of co-angling, and it made me sad when everybody was discontinuing it at the highest levels because uh, basically, to be blunt, most of the pro-anglers don't want somebody else in the boat because bottom line is you are competing with your co-angler. Well, yes, to an extent, but here's the biggest thing I want you, here's the biggest thing I want you to think about. You have a competitive advantage if you have a good co-angler because he is figuring out the bats with you. And once he figures something out, you can run with it. So he the having co-angler the I'm sorry, say that again, please. Having co-anglers changes the outcomes of tournaments. That that is that is very, very interesting. And uh you know what? E even if the co-angler isn't figuring it out for you, 
he can he can be a, a, a another tool for you. Uh, I don't, that might be that might sound like it's de- denigrating saying that a, a fisherman is a tool, but you know if, if you've got a, a co angler that's fairly decent with the stick, and and I know there are a lot of times you get a co angler who isn't much use to you at all, but you get a co angler that's decent. You, as the pro, can tell them, okay, I want you to fish this. I want you to fish this color. Uh, you're, you're both working on trying to determine the hot color. You're, you're cutting your time in half that it takes to figure it out. If the guy can't do anything with the rod in his hand, it doesn't help you a lot. But I think having a, if a co-angler is good with the stick and he listens to you, that could be a big advantage for you. It's a big advantage, but here's the reality. It's not really what you think, like in your head, like makes logical sense. So <laughs> where it really helps people, you know, of course we try to help come because we're not really using them as tools. I don't think any, I don't know if any pros really done that. Um, I try to actually help my co-anglers. Like if they're kind of lost, I'll help them and point them in the right direction. But what, what really happens is the co-angler is doing something totally different than you in a place that you wouldn't do in a throw in a lure. You wouldn't even think about throwing and he starts whooping your butt. <laughs> so that is when it really changes the outcome and then you pick up let's just say you're throwing a shaky head he starts catching on a rattle trap you pick up a rattle trap and win the tournament just because your co-angler didn't know any better oh that is uh, amazing and you know what i've i've actually heard people say that before and uh and i think that is absolutely fantastic and and i've got to figure there are some pros that would be so stubborn that they wouldn't do that Hey, you're not smarter, not harder, but I don't know. Can't you got to be tough? You probably can't address that because that doesn't sound like something you would do. But it just shows you there's a lot more psychology to this fishing business than you think of. I go go back and uh, talking about your guiding. I'm looking at the services you offer and where you guide, and I think very interesting is you you package a trip called a uh, well. There 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 are two things that uh, that really got me here was uh the pre-tournament trip and uh, what do you call the trip that uh sun up to sundown i call it the grinder the grinder yeah that's a good name for it because man that's uh you're you're on the water an awfully long time but that's a that's a tough call a lot of guys wouldn't even think of, of packaging a guide trip like that but I thought that pre-tournament trip was was interesting because when, when you think about it, for you, every tournament, every, every trip is a pre-tournament trip now. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the way you package this trip and the way you approach the water is different. What is a pre-tournament guide trip? So a lot of guys think of a pre-tournament trip that they think they're going to go see, learn a few spots for their tournament. I I, I can. Obviously, we'll find a few fish if you have a tournament coming up, but I try to teach the process of finding fish and how to pattern the fish because that is what's going to help you find the fish in your tournament day and help you in the future. So it, I try to not just go and show you the spots. All right, here you go. Here's your tournament because that's not how fishing works. It's not, all right, you have a spot, you're going to win. Every day you have to make adjustments and the fish move. So you got to learn how to move with the fish. Exactly, exactly right, and 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 even if they don't move, finding them isn't guaranteeing you're getting them to eat. Correct. Correct. So, so you got to do that, and I think the expectations are, are are better that way. And geez, you know, if you said, uh, "Here, I'm going to put you on fish. You come back here on Saturday and and, and take them off of these spots. You'll be good." And then they don't catch fish, boy. Your your guide business is done. You know you can't you can't sell it that way. Well, yeah. Well, that's the I'm I'm trying to shift. You know, through everyone I take the paradigm of fishing because that what you just said is what I hate about fishing and kind of how some people approach it. Some people approach it as a phone call sport. You know, where they at? <laughs> put me on them. Put me on them. Uh, you know, and I, I'm just trying to change that. As you know, I I say. Write a weekly column for a newspaper locally, and I'll I'll put uh, uh, you know tips for the weekend. Say, so, okay, they're catching them on the river uh, off of deep ledges using this, da 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 da, and and I get somebody right and go, what kind of information is that? Where on the river? You know, they want me to okay, go find go find this stick up and, and fish to the left of it. Uh, you know, they want me to come out and make the cast for them. But that's not it. You want to teach them. The, the, the theory of it and then go out and find something similar to what you're talking about and, and, and it may work for you. You know, nobody's going to uh, hand you the rod and, and 
point to where you're going to cast. I don't think it's a, that's not guiding. That's not fishing. No. So yeah. What people are wanting to do is go catching, it, and what I'm wanting, what I'm teaching, and what I think you're teaching is fishing. It's the the process, the approach, and just enjoying the process. You know, we don't just go out and catch them. Well, sometimes it takes us a few hours to even figure out what the fish are doing on any given day. So. The, the only way you can you can guarantee, well, not even guarantee, I guess, but consistently increase your, your chances. You'll see a lot of do, this happen with people on vacation resorts. You know, the, the guy that owns the resort will give you a community spot that's loaded with fish, and he'll tell you where to go, what to use. And you go out there, you catch a whole bunch of 14-inch fish. And, and, and be happy because you're catching fish. But you know what? That's that's not what's making me happy. That's not what's making your clients happy. They're spending that kind of money, and you can't guarantee them that spot where they're going to catch three pounders. So you got to catch them, t tell them how to catch three pounders and where the spots are that they might be finding them. Right. And, and uh, kind of something just hit me while we were talking about this. I think there's kind of two different kind of clients that we have in the guide business. You have one that just want to go, just like you would go on a roller coaster ride. Go get an experience. You know, we just want to go catch fish and have fun. I feel like those kind of trips are better suited for live bait because they may not even have fishing skill sets. And then you kind of have more of your enthusiasts, your fishing enthusiasts, which want to just go learn. I agree. I agree. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I, I would love to be guided by you. I think it would be a real education. Man, I'm out of time, but real quick, you want to run through some of your sponsors that uh, you would like to say hi to? Yeah, um, I, I, you, I could not pursue this dream without my sponsors. Um, huge thank you to Hardcore Lures. If you haven't heard of them, they make phenomenal crankbaits. They're, they're the JDM, Japanese design, made uh, crankbaits available on Tackle Warehouse. And um, I use all Yozuri products, too. Um, they're, they're brave. So if you fish a spinning rod up north, um, I love their 10-pound high-vis yellow braid. If you haven't tried it, you need to try it. It's probably the most durable braid I've ever used, and it's got that high-vis yellow. I have, I'll put it on for like half a year, and it'll be good. You oh. know, and I just tie um, leader knots with Alberto um, joining knots, and um, it lasts me about half a year with as much as I fish. So it should last any person. If you put a spool of that on, it should last you a, a whole year um, with any kind of normal fishing. But, yeah, I mean, those two guys are, are phenomenal. Um, I, I couldn't do it without them. Excellent. Hey, uh, 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 True Bass Swim Baits, is that somebody I should know about? Yeah, so that's actually my personal um, company I started back in 2015. I'll be darned. How do you like that? Yep, <laughs> yep. and then um, as I grew, I, I, I took on a partner. His name is Clay Cornegie, and he he runs everything while I travel and I'm on the road, and he's phenomenal, and I kind of promote it and, and help sell it, and we design baits, and it's a lot of fun. We really enjoy it. True Bass Swim Baits, definitely check that out. Check this guy out, Ryan Salzman. Google him, Google Ryan Salzman Bass, Ryan Salzman Major League Fishing. Learn about this guy. He's an American hero, 34-year-old uh, guy that's already done 10 years in the uh, U.S. Army, a true American hero, and now uh, a hero to fishermen everywhere as he won his first Major League Fishing Bass Pro event. The first of many. Uh, we're going to follow this guy's career as it progresses and grows. He is one of the good ones. Thank you for your service. Thank you for being a great fisherman. And thanks for spending some time with us, Ryan Salzman. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Excellent. Ryan Salzman, folks. Fantastic. That wraps up this week's edition of the We Fish ASA podcast, the best on fishing show on the radio or internet in the entire USA. I'd like to thank today's guest, Captain Ryan Salzman. Major League Fishing Bass Pro Tour. Steve Sarley, guest of Dave Kranz. I enjoyed that. That was cool. I hope you folks were able to suffer through it as well. And then Dan Johnston from St. Croix. Always a pleasure to have Dan on the show. I'd like to thank our sponsor, St. Croix, the best rides on earth. Calcutta, makers of a line of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion. And Daiwa, we've got your bass covered. Daiwa Reels. Remember that we've got a new episode of our podcast each and every week, everywhere you can get your podcast from, or check us out at our website, wefishasa.com. You can also communicate with us there. We love mail. We answer everything, so let it rip. I'm Steve Surley. My partner is Dave Kranz. We'll see you next week. Now, let's go fishing.
I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch.